Creators Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It is Friday, November 8th, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, back in the United States of America. It feels good to be <laughs> home, everybody. Joining with me here stateside out there in Loveland, Virginia, is our very own Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Down there in Orlando, Florida, we got John David Harris. Hey, JD. Greetings. Uh, right next to JD, keeping an eye on him. Uh, in for Chandler today, our, our our interim producer, our producer 2.0, Clark Flippo's in the house today. Hey guys, some people call him the new improved Chandler. Yeah, we'll talk about him. We don't need to hurt Chandler. Indistinguishable. Sometimes. He's not listening. He's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> and joining us from Austin, Texas, we are pleased to welcome back to the Relevant Podcast, Jamie Ivy. Hi, Jamie. Hey, guys. Thanks for hey, having me how back. How you doing? You know, I've been really well. I've been busy. I had a huge project that I worked on for the whole month of October, and it's done. And so now I am ready for the holidays. Isn't that fun to say? Like, we're ready for the holidays and just yeah, doing Yeah, it's life. November. It, can you reveal what this project is, or yeah, is it, it project is it under wraps? Because secret. that sounds very cool, and it you sounds like vague. like I can't tell if it's like a book project or something, or if you've been a crafting like a project time, or like a time machine or something. What is <laughs> yeah. this Doesn't, project? Doesn't it sound vague? I kind of feel super cool when I say I just had this big project. You guys, like, don't worry about it. It's behind me. All is well. Uh, no, I wrote a book, and I uh-huh. knew about this book since January of this year, and it was due at the end of October, and so I spent. The entire month of October working really, really hard on it. <laughs> nice. I, I love the, I love like how the, I, it, it's very humble of you to say, you know, uh, it, it, you know, reveal it was a book instead of leading out with, I've been finishing a no big deal, but a book. No big deal. Uh, no big deal. But yeah. Can I tell you guys something funny about this whole project, quote unquote? I worked so hard on it in October. I am not kidding when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. I gave myself tennis elbow. My elbow was hurting so bad. Listen, listen. I'm not kidding. And I feel like I just need to let everyone know. If you're my friend in real life, you know I cannot stop complaining about my tennis elbow because I don't play tennis. I've never played tennis a day in my life. But I went to the doctor. I'm like, my elbow hurts so bad, like so bad. He said, have you been doing like a certain motion for a lot, you know, a lot of hours recently? And I was like, yes, I've been working on a super big secret project on my computer. And he said, yes, you gave yourself tennis elbow. So I have tennis elbow, you guys. Wow. Well, that, it, that's, that, that, sounds, that sounds very cool. You sound like an athlete. <laughs> yeah, I, was I, didn't know, say. I didn't know we had a jock on the podcast. Today. <laughs> I was going to say, at least it's like a, a cool, it's cool to tell people we got tennis elbow because like, man, you must be really out there walloping those surfs. Uh, I mean, if you, if you, yeah, 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 you and Serena. <laughs> One time I was playing. Right, right. Instead, I'm like just closed off in my tiny house, you know, not leaving and just drinking coffee by the, <laughs> right. you know, by the gallons. Do you get one of those cool like sports tape things that they wear? It's like, <laughs> like a, the volleyball player. I don't know what they're called. No. I'm not I much could, of a tennis listen, player myself. How would I go in there and they'd ask me, okay, so have you been playing tennis or what are you doing? And I'm like, no, just a, a big super secret project in my office. I'm typing oh, a lot. Yeah. You were building a time machine by hand, weren't you? That's what they're going to say. <laughs> right. I one time hurt my knee playing basketball and I went to the doctor because it was in so much knee pain. And he's like, he's like, all right, well, we've diagnosed it. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, this is a tough sports injury. I'll tell all my friends and my family. Family. This is why I'm limping around. And they're like, you have housemaid's knee. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, there's like, this isn't shaming house, you know, housemates. It's, 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 you know, it's work just like all, all other kinds of work. But as, as someone who is fashioning himself, like, you know, an athletic injury, it was pretty humiliating to have housemate's knee and, and, and to tell my like intramural team, Hey guys, I'm out tonight. Bad case of the housemate's knee. <laughs> so, <laughs> So at least you got tennis elbow because that <laughs> sounds hilarious. really cool. That's like the opposite problem. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, I have a. Can I ask a book writing question? Okay, Jamie? go for it. <laughs> so, so I've I've been I've been privileged in this work to to know a lot of authors. We we talk to a lot of authors. Uh, my my wife's working on a book. She's getting her master's in creative fiction. Uh, and one thing that I feel like a lot of people uh, who are authors, when they tell their people they're working on a book, they get other people who say, "Oh." I actually am also working on a book. And you're like, oh, that's cool. What's it about? And you're like, well, it's 
it's all in my head right now. Or so they say something to the effect of like, they're not working on a book. They at one point had like a, an elevator pitch for the book. And that is like their version of like, of like relating to your, to your like project that you just finished is the fact that they like had this idea one time. Do when that had, does this, can you relate to this? Is this something that, that you've experienced as an author? Yes. And now my follow up question will always be you are not working on a book until you have tennis elbow. That's all I got to say. Are you working so hard on a book that you had to go to the doctor? For yes. It? That is yes. How, that's, that's suffering for the yeah. art. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, you also uh, you just got back from a trip to down to the, the border there, right? To the, the Texas, Mexico border. I did. I was super honored to be um, invited to go. I had a woman on my podcast. Her name's Tess Clark, and um, okay. she runs. She has her hands in a lot of different organizations, but she invited me on this trip, and it's with an organization called Welcome, and it is really this community of Christian women who just want to kind of engage and learn more and the the act of hospitality towards the immigrant, the the migrant, the asylum seeker, all of the things. And so I flew down to El Paso. We drove over to Juarez for the day and oh, wow. got to meet with um, a man who had journeyed all the way um, from Guatemala by himself. He left his family because of violence. And so it was a really, really good trip. I'll tell you this. I thought I would go down to that trip and meet with, we also met with immigration people. We met with border patrol. We did all these things and had conversations. And I thought I would come back with having like some clear cut answers. And I came back with 8 million more questions. So it's just such a complex issue. But I was happy to see with my own eyes, people who were really working hands hands and feet on the ground all the time for these people. Yeah. When, when you got a, had a chance to meet these individuals that were, you know, risking a lot to come to the United States, what were your just kind of impression of their like situation that a lot of them found? Because I feel like, you know, everything we kind of read in the news, it feels so distant and, and like kind of foreign, like we don't really understand the problem, but kind of interacting with people who have risk, more than most people in this country could probably ever realize to, to be able to be here. What was your impression of just kind of meeting those individuals? You know, my my first impression was I can't imagine what this man has been to to choose to leave his family because if his life was in danger, then their life was in danger. Uh, and to come to a country where he was hopeful would give him a, another chance and a better life. And then he could take care of his family in the right way. And as a mom, I just could not even wrap my brain around that. But meeting him and talking to him and seeing him tell us his story through tears. I mean, nobody wants to leave mm. their family. And I'll tell you this real quick. I, I was having a conversation with someone recently and they said, and this I, I, this could be a long conversation, you guys. But they said they had adopted a child a couple of years ago and they were saying how hard it was to go through immigration to get their children home. And I've been, I have adopted children. I know that it is a long and difficult um, and it should be process to bring kids from another country home to your family. So he said, I had to work so hard at that. It's unfair that these people just think they can walk over and take all of our resources. And I had to take a deep breath. And then I had to say, that is such false news that you're hearing. Like that is not the reality. There are people who are taking the right steps, but right now we're not giving them those steps. And so that's what I left with is that there is a narrative that we can believe that people are just walking over saying, Hey, we just want all your stuff. But then you go down there and you're like, well, that's not really the true narrative. Yeah, sure. That does happen. You know, it's like saying, you know, everyone is this because they're that. And that's just not true. So that's what my eyes was just really open to. It's a much bigger conversation. And to be following like, you know, following this group on Instagram and Facebook where they're giving you some real tangible (laughs) things. What are happening has changed my worldview. Mm. Do you remember offhand the name of this uh, this organization on Instagram? Yeah, or where it's called Welcome, but their more? Instagram ham- handle is Christ Like Welcome. Uh, but oh, they cool. they're new to Instagram, but Instagram's my fave. But they have a really <clears throat> huge community over on Facebook, and so cool. and their whole cool. hope is literally just to reach out to women in evangelical circles and just help them see things a little bit different. Mm. That's oh, that's so awesome! Cool. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And you and you interviewed. Uh, one of these individuals. Yeah, Tess Clark has been on my show. Yes. And it was a phenomenal interview. I highly recommend it on this issue. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go listen to it. Uh, Thanks for sharing about that. And thanks for doing that too. It's just cool that people, when people go to like put in the actual work to, cause we, uh, we can all blab about our opinions on this thing, 
Uh, but until you're down there for, for any length of time, it's really hard to know what you're saying. That's, that's legit. And so I'm glad that yeah. we have somebody who's like, you know, you're a trusted source. I believe that you're, I don't think you're trying to, to pull, pull the wool over my eyes or push some sort of narrative. So I appreciate hearing from people who've been well, able thanks. to go down there and can share some of their experiences. J- Jamie, there's one other thing I want I, we got, I know there's a lot to get to, to in today's show, but <laughs> oh, there's something we briefly mentioned before <laughs> I when you and I were talking, you saw today that I'm wearing proudly wearing the hat of the Washington Nationals baseball team, which I wear. <laughs> I wear frequently. Um, they just won the World Series and they beat a team not too far from you. The Houston Astros, to be fair, the Astros, they, they've won before and they're a very worthy team. And I'm not trying to gloat by by wearing this hat. But our guest later on the show is uh, Mark Batterson, who's the pastor <laughs> of National Community Church. He's got a new book called Double Blessing, but he's also famously he wrote the book, The Circle Maker, about walking in circles and enclosing places in circles. And J.D. has a theory. And his theory is that the reason we beat the Astros is because maybe Mark Batterson was praying circles around those stadiums. <laughs> I just that don't think circle there's... making because really baseball, if you're doing it well, there's a lot of circle making. You're basically just running in circles right, right. on the field. Maybe the Nats are just more better prayer warriors than the Astros. Oh, Jamie, I your see. response. Uh, I yeah. see. Yeah. I see. Well, I will say this. Um, if I wasn't an Astros fan, I would have been cheering for the Nationals because okay. just congratulations. What a fun Thank game. Oh, also, yeah. what yeah. a crazy humble, World Series. What a humble reaction. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's a very humble, what a humble reaction. <laughs> I am gracious. an Astros fan. I grew up in Houston watching, I mean, Craig Biggio days. And so, yeah. but, but listen, guys, let me tell you the truth. I'm only a baseball fan come October because who in their right mind has time to watch baseball from April to October? Nope. Okay. Nobody. Okay. Okay. Nope. Okay. Well, okay. Listen, <laughs> Jamie, some of us keep it on in the background. We're not just losers. We do. It's all, I'm doing other things. Okay. I might okay. not be writing a book to the degree that I'm occurring sports injuries, but it's all in the background. Okay. All year. All year. I know. I'm Got a loser. it. Got I it. Get it. Congratulations, <laughs> you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, I will be gloating about this for a long time. Offline, me and Mark Batterson talk for quite a bit about this. He's very excited too. And I appreciate his work praying, praying that team up because obviously we had God on our side. No shame to the Astros, <laughs> but it was pretty miraculous. That it's basically seven, an so. angels in the outfield type scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we are, like as he said, uh, we are going to be joined later today by the National Community Church pastor and author of the new book, Double Blessing, Mark Batterson. Uh, Jesse talked to him. We're going to be hearing a little bit about that book. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're doing the hot list. You're listening to Just Like You by the Emotional Oranges. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard For the First Time by Best Coast. Jesse, do you, what, what do you feel like the Best Coast is in the I United mean, States? I, I am, I'm biased because I live minutes. I, I, I live like a mile and a half from, from, the, from the Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. But I'm going to say Florida's Redneck Riviera down there at the Emerald Coast. You know what? And here's why. They don't care down there. Like, like I guess it's your definition of best. But you could drive a golf cart on the beach and go swimming in jeans and no one's thinking twice. There's no rules yeah. down that street. It's weird. It's weird. Like, oh, man. like out here, you know, I can't get away with that. Not in California. Not, you know, Jamie, you have, you have some beaches not too far from you, right? And let me tell you, you could probably get away with that down there just to be honest <laughs> that, that was gonna, I was say, kind of it's kind of one big beach down there on the gulf it is yeah. Texas just keeps to, Alabama to florida yeah the only yeah. place i feel like the west coast does have more rules you couldn't you couldn't wear jeans swimming like people would think you were they'd lock you up they'd throw in they one would, of those, one of those weird jails yeah yeah 
the, the great thing about the Gulf Coast, all down there, maybe, Jamie, you can confirm this, because most of my experience down there has been out on the panhandle, but I'd assume it stretches all the way around. There, there, there are literally, it's just, it's, so, it's just lawless. Like, you feel like if driving down the beach, a bunch of those Mad Max trucks came flying down, <laughs> and for some reason, law enforcement has just ignored open container laws. That's basically the Gulf Coast, and that's why I love it. It's a, it's a libertarian it's- paradise down there. Totally, you do it. You just be you down there on that coast. No one cares. Yeah, I grew up on the Florida Gulf Coast and, um, yeah. like in the central Florida Gulf Coast area. And it's not an uncommon thing to just see a car pulled off to the side of the road right. with people just swimming in the ocean or the Gulf. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> you're just driving because they build the roads like right up, right up against the coastline. So it's these pretty scenic drives, except for the like six minivans pulled up with their, uh, coolers and boom boxes as they are splashing away <laughs> in the dirty, like intercoastal waters. <laughs> I've never golf. seen as much denim on the beach as I have when I'm on a golf on a, I'm on the golf coast. And I don't mind it at all. It's like they're just next level. They're like, why do we even change clothes? You're jumping in the jeans. Just go yeah. for a little dip, yeah. you know? It's hot down there. So there we go. Well, it's time for our weekly look back at the the stories that define the week. It's time for Coming in at number five this week. I'm a little surprised because I really thought this story would hit number one. Jesse, you threw these together. I want to hear a little bit about your rankings later because this okay. story really got my imagination. Very controversial. Got my, got my imagination humming. I want the cinematic adaptation of this okay. story stat. Uh, coming to number five, Woody Harrelson talked about writing sermons with Mike Pence and how he lost his faith over on Mark Marin. Okay. So wait, Woody Harrelson, uh, the actor? Let yes. me, let, get, this story this story goes places that that, that, that no other that no other podcast this could is, cover with exactly. our level of expertise is, yeah this is what the relevant podcast brings weird gems from pop culture like woody harrelson and mike pence hanging in a dorm room as teenagers writing sermons college yes. boys. yeah college boys all right so here's what happened so so woody harrelson the great actor Love, love, love yeah. Woody. Uh, Oscar nominated? I don't know. Sure. He should be. He should be. Oscar yeah. nominated in our hearts was a guest on Mark Marin's WTF podcast, and he opened up about his days as a devout Christian college student. While a student at Hanover College, Woody Harrelson would regularly host Bible studies and even begin preaching at the age of 17. In fact, one of his early mentors who would help him write sermons was now Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, Harrelson also opened up a little bit about how questions about the Bible actually led him away from faith. Here's a clip of that conversation. People trying to get me to become a minister. Oh, and really? I was considering it. I Who were those people? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the, someone from my church. Oh, you know, the, they knew you had charisma. The minister. They from, knew you could hold the audience. They're uh, like, hey, we need well, this I did, guy. I did a, a, uh, a sermon when I was 17. And then I did another one when I was at uh, Hanover College. And in fact, this is kind of bizarre, but Mike Pence was two years older at the same school at, at Hanover. And he uh, he was the guy who kind of, uh, you know, yeah. led me through it. Oh, really? Uh, he yeah. mentored you through your sermon? Mentored me through it. Mike yes. Pence did. The Mike Pence. The frightening bright vice president. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was he frightening then? No, not at all. Uh, Just a guy? Uh, I, I, we weren't buddies or anything. Right. But, uh, you know, he was very religious. Yeah. And, uh, that, oh, he was. So that's... And he was the guy who kind of headed that. It was kind of, I don't know, like for students oh, huh. wanting to right, do right. religious things. Right, the really Christian club. Very Christian club, folks right, there. Yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, the more I studied theology, the more I realized how man-made the Bible was, you know? Sure. And it was, it, it became very obvious. Uh, hey, Jamie, you, you sounded particularly surprised that Woody Harrelson's I am so former... surprised. Yeah. Her, uh, I, what what, just, what are I've your never, thoughts about Woody Harrelson in general first? <laughs> I mean, I like him as an actor, but he's kind of this. I think he brings like a creepiness to his maybe acting. Yeah. I don't know if that's his real <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah, he does. And I don't mean to talk bad about Woody Harrelson, but I was thinking when he was talking, I could never imagine listening to him as a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he because he has that, that he's kind of got happened? that slow draw, too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. His sermons would take a long time. 
Yeah. Because he'd be talking so slowly. He'd really but, <laughs> Jamie, is, he, is he's not from Texas, but I know he, I, I, for some reason, I associate him with like Austin. Is he around there a lot? Oh, not that I know of, but maybe. Come on down, Woody. We'll, we'll, we'll take you here in Austin. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like him as an actor, but I could not, I've never even heard any of this about him. So. He opened up about it. The first time this popped on our radar, Jesse, it was last year when he was on Kimmel, right? Yeah, he and he on, talked a little bit about, yeah. about knowing Pence. Yeah. And, uh, and that the two of them, he, he said, he's never said that they were like close friends, but he's expressed some level of like, he said he liked the guy at yeah. the time that they, well, they were, he, they, he had a good reputation around college. What's odd to me is like, and this is why I find this story so delightful. And so, and, and like, listen, I, you know, his comments about, you know, his understanding of the Bible aside, and, uh, you, you know, the, the friendship between Woody Harrelson and Mike Pence, not just friendship, but they were literally writing sermons together as college students. The, the reason, the other reason why this is so funny to me is because like Mike Pence, politics aside, okay, anyone can, can you know, I'm not making a comment about his, pol- his, his political leanings, but He's arguably one of the squarest dudes in Washington. <laughs> like one of the dudes who are like, if I had to pick everyone in politics right now, who's the least likely to hang out with Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson, who is like a creepy Famed libertine, yeah. uh, notable, notable uh, lover of, of the grass. Like he's, of, he's of very substances open, of all kinds. Very, very, like, very yeah. Big it, fan. I would love to see like a modern day odd couple of Woody Harrelson and Mike Pence as roommates or something. <laughs> Jamie, is that something you would tune into? Because I love the idea like, of these like, guys like hanging Big out. Brother, like the, like it's a Big Brother episode, and then we have the twenty four hour footage, like you get on Showtime. Yeah, I would watch. Oh, totally. I would live stream that all day. Just in there, I have a TV in my house dedicated to hanging out with Woody and Mike Pence as they as they kick around theology ideas. So, oh yeah. my god, what I would really awesome. like. What I would really like is for, you know, I know that obviously things have, I, I, w- I would like for Woody Harrelson, I'd like to hear a sermon from him today. He said he's still a little religious. I'd like to hear his sermon. I like, to, I like, I'd give him 30 minutes. Come on the podcast, Woody. My one condition, my one condition for you to deliver the sermon is that you have to be mentored through the process by Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> he did a scripture reading in, at the beginning of a killer song on their last album. Oh, yeah, that's right. That. Yeah, 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 yeah and, that's true. And I remember yes. thinking like, oh, that's an odd choice, but it sounded right. Like it, it, yeah. it, felt, it felt right in the moment in the song. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Woody, yeah. that's weird. But well, it seems Woody like he does have a lot of familiarity with Pence. the actual... No, what, uh, Woody Harrison. Woody, did, okay, okay. Yeah, he did the... Yeah, no, no, the killer's <laughs> not, not Mike, Mike Pence. Pence. I was um, wondering how that worked out. <laughs> yeah. I would listen to that, too. I would listen to a Mike Pence <laughs> killer's collaboration. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. Would be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number four this week, Pixar's new film. We'll look at the idea of the human soul. So this is interesting. This week, Pixar released uh, a look at their new film, and this one has an interesting supernatural twist it looks at the idea of the human soul and what happens when we die soul stars jamie fox as a jazz musician who dies the day he gets his big break and then meets another soul in the afterlife voiced by tina fey the film's director pixar executive pete doctor explained to entertainment weekly that he did a lot of religious research to make the film he said quote we talked to a lot of folks that represented religious traditions and cultural traditions and asked what do you think a soul is all of them said vaporous and ethereal and non-physical we were like great how do we do this we're used to toys cars things that are much more substantial and easily referenced this was a huge challenge but i gotta say i think the team really put some cool stuff together that's really indicative of those words but also relatable uh, I'm I'm excited for this, and what I I love when Pixar gets in kind of weird mode like this when they when they throw caution to the wind, like with Inside Out and things like that, where yeah. they just abandon all like sensible <laughs> idea of what of what you can use to tell a story, and like yeah. how do we let's illustrate something that can't be illustrated? Yeah, well, and, that, and that's like it's an interesting twist for Pixar in general because they, I mean they've gone from like basically a studio that makes movies about anthropomorphic fish. And cars and yeah, toys yeah. to these real existential movies. I mean, Coco was about the afterlife.
life mm-hmm. and death. You know, like you said, Inside Out was about the interior life of children and, emo- and, and emotional and mental health. And now you have one that isn't just a, a doesn't just seem to be about the soul, but seems to be about religious ideas about what makes people mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I it's an I, you know, I, it just seems like an interesting turn for the studio, um, especially as they, they seem open to different religious ideas as they're tackling, you know, this concept. I think this is always hard for me when I think about little kids watching movies about someone yeah. dying. I because Coco was yeah. beautiful and I loved it and I had big kids and they were fine. I sat next to a dad who had his two daughters. They had to have been like three and five. One of them, you guys bald through the entire movie sure. and the dad just like kept oh, consoling sure. her and I almost tapped him on the shoulder and said I think you should just leave but whatever <laughs> you parent your kids however you want but I think sometimes these are hard for parents with little kids to watch and that's who oh, they're yeah. for but we as adults we can appreciate it and see how beautiful it is yeah that's yeah. my my question not not concern it's not that deep but it's it's more like um who who are some of these Pixar movies for? And I think the beautiful thing about a lot of Pixar is that it works across an entire spectrum of the family, right? But with right. a movie like this one in particular, you have this scenario where like my kids, I have a five-year-old and then a seven-month-old. So seven-month-old is not going to care and know what's going on. But my five-year-old right. will latch onto the biggest idea that he's able to latch onto. And so for a movie like this, I'm not sure if he will get past the moment of... Jamie, is it Jamie Foxx? Yeah, Jamie Foxx's character falling down the sewer hole and then showing up as like a glowing blue orb. Like, I don't, (laughs) it'll just be like, Is that how he dies? What? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, in the trailer. A manhole accident. (laughs) Okay, let me tell you something. I am going to be traumatized from this movie if that's how he dies. I refuse to walk on anything that could fall (laughs) through the ground. And this right here, this solidifies all of my fears. Yeah, listen, and Jamie, that's a legit fear. You get, incurred a serious arm injury writing a book i would not yes. trust your luck just hopping on manhole covers right oh my gosh now yeah. i can't see this movie now thank yeah. you for no, telling me that, that yeah, no, it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty it was like a fun it's a fun like jazz movie and you're watching the trailer like okay cool pixar's doing yeah. a little like underground jazz movie cool and then all of a sudden he's like i got my big shot too <laughs> it's like uh, it's such a weird tradition for like Disney and Pixar to just murder a parent early in the year. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Bambi's like, mom straight up gets shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's the thing is that this is not new. Explain the afterlife, a little bit new territory for for Pixar, maybe. But explore, but but killing people off—that's as old as Disney itself. <laughs> they they never nobody survives a Disney movie. I would like to say, just put out a a, a blanket warning statement to every Enneagram Six. This might be a difficult movie to watch. Six warning, a hard six warning on this one. Yeah. Right. It's right. Yeah. hard yeah. six like, warning on like this one, guide movie like websites or whatever and it's, yeah. you know everything else it's it's like oh yeah acceptable like manhole cover like fears like straight up 10 out of 10 be be afraid yes yeah caution yeah uh coming to number three shia labeouf Thank the police officers who arrested him back in 2017. So back in 2017, our man Shia was arrested in Savannah, Georgia for public drunkenness. TMZ later released a video of his profane racist meltdown while in custody. Uh, one of the arresting officers was black. But according to LaBeouf, the incident led to him taking sobriety seriously and seeking help for his addiction issues. Last year, he opened up about the incident, telling Esquire, quote, what went on in Georgia was mortifying, white privilege and desperation and disaster. It came from a place of self-centered delusion. It was me trying to absolve myself of guilt for getting arrested. This weekend at the Hollywood Film Awards, he surprised the audience by thanking the officers who arrested him while accepting an award for his new film, Honey Boy, which is based on his life as a child star. He said, quote, I want to thank the police officer who arrested me in Georgia for changing my life and my therapist and my sponsor for saving my life. He also thanks his parents for giving me life. LaBeouf has been vocal about his struggles as a young actor and the incident in Georgia, which happened when he was 
shooting the Peanut Butter Falcon, which also stars Zachary Gotzigan, an actor with Down syndrome. He told Esquire that when Gotzigan found out about the arrest, he confronted LaBeouf. He told him, quote, you're already famous. This is my chance and you're ruining it. LaBeouf said, quote, to hear him say that he was disappointed in me probably changed the course of my life. Zach can't not shoot straight and bless him for it because in that moment, I needed a straight shooter who I couldn't argue with. Uh, this is a quote from the Esquire piece in 2018. He says their conversation continued on set. We were getting ready to do a scene and Zach said, do you believe in God? And I thought, no way. Are you about to explain God to me, Zach? LaBeouf tries to keep it together. His voice jumps an octave. Zach said, even if he's not real, what does it hurt? LaBeouf later says, I don't believe in God, but suggests that the conversation did possibly change the way he thinks about God. He's quote, but did I see God? Did I hear God? Through Zach? Yeah. He met me with love. And at the time, love was truth. And he didn't pull punches. And I'm grateful. Not even on some cheese ball sh- trying to sell a movie in real life. Hmm. So that's he's he's a really really interesting his presence in a movie at this point he's he's on that he's one of like two former child stars who now have really used their fame in my mind really like use their fame to leverage themselves into just really interesting kind of weird projects. If I'm at a place now where if, uh, if Shia is in a movie, I'm interested in it because the guy just picks yeah. interesting projects. He, he's got a real knack for lending his celebrity, <clears throat> which is at this point a very kind of chaotic energy level of celebrity towards movies that could really use, uh, some, uh, a little leg up in publicity. And, and he joins them. He's obviously had an extremely, uh, uh, he, he's had an extremely unusual and controversial public life. Lots of, uh, there, there was the meltdown, which, which was very well publicized and, and we covered that as well. But it's his level of reckoning with that has seemed very honest and authentic yeah. in a way that a lot of celebrity apologies have not. And I really admire him for that. Yeah. I did think his comments and I think we, we've talked about it before about seeing God through someone. A fellow actor who's extending love and grace, even though he doesn't even know if he believes in God. I felt like that that was kind of an interesting thing. And to use the platform to thank the police officer who bore the brunt of that meltdown, you know, I felt like it was an interesting thing. Jamie, are you a fan of any Shia LaBeouf movies? Well, I I did see Peanut Butter Falcon. Did you like it? And I was, I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved it so much. And I, when you were reading that, Tyler, I was like, man, what a bold statement that his, uh, his uh, actor friend that was in the show with him said to him, wow, that was really, yeah. really bold yeah. of him to call him out. And I'm like, yeah, go boy. But the, my only, I don't think I'm a fan because the only other thing I can think of him is in holes. And y'all, I know that was 20 years ago, <laughs> maybe 15, <laughs> 17. It was a long time ago, but I'm it's not a, a big movie. Shia fan. I like that movie. I'll say Fury. Fury was. Real. I feel like Fury is an underrated movie. Uh, and we, we interviewed the director. I think it's David Ayers, right? Ayers, uh, yeah, yeah. It's Ayers. And he's a Christian, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, faith plays a big part of that role. Particularly, Shia LaBeouf's character is a devout Christian in that movie. But it's a World War II tank movie. If anyone's looking for a deep cut Shia role, Fury, co-starring Brad Pitt, is is a, is another good one to jump in on. I never know how to say his name either, so yeah, I, LaBeouf, I, I don't really LaBeouf, talk about him much. LaBeouf. I still think uh, that there's a there's an outtake from the office from the dinner party. I this is how much an office fan is. I regularly watch like the outtakes and deleted scenes and YouTube stuff. And there's a scene from the dinner party episode where Michael is doing like one of his talking heads and he he is asked and, and he tells the camera who would he invite to if he could have any if he could have a dinner party with anyone in the world. And he mispronounces every name. But and Michael Scott, he's like, well, obviously, Balaka. Obama, Shia LaBeouf, and just and those those were basically the two people coming to to Michael Scott's dinner party. So that's the other point. That's hilarious. Uh, speaking of Michael Scott, have you guys um, listened to the new podcast with the Office Girls? I have. The Office I Ladies? Have. Okay. I like it. And then my son, yeah, I think I told you when I was on here before, my son was watching them all. He finished it. So now we're listening to the podcast together and going back and watching it from the beginning again. 
I, you know what's funny is I started I started listening to the it's called the Office Girls the Office uh, gals or something like that but it's it Office Ladies yeah it's it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey who play Pam and, and Angela and they and they and they start from the beginning and they're watching every episode doing sort of recaps and facts it made me start back at season one and Jamie I'm assuming you've done the same thing is it not disorienting how different Michael looks during season one oh, it's so funny I I am so loving just hearing the behind the scenes of how they filmed this episode before this one yeah. and they had six months off and the the things that Angela picks up from the show I, I'm if you're an Office fan go listen to Office Ladies yeah it's really good oh. yeah oh awesome um, alright coming in at number two this week Lecrae opened up about his decision to join the Dove Awards boycott so uh, Lecrae uh, obviously a very notable Christian rapper took to YouTube to explain why he joined Kirk Franklin's boycott of the Christian Music Awards show Franklin says that the show edited his comments about racial justice on two different occasions according to Lecrae the editing was part of a pattern of censorship at the Dove Awards here's a clip but what ended up happening was Kirk gave his acceptance speech um, after he won his award well deserved and uh, in his speech, um, asked for us to pray for the family of Tatiana Jefferson, uh, the family of the officer who murdered her, and also her eight-year-old nephew who watched his auntie uh, killed. Um, and she was completely innocent. And so uh, that prayer, that call to prayer was edited out of his accepted speech when it aired live. Very disappointing, especially because what better place than to ask for a call to prayer? What better opportunity to talk about, um, you know, issues that God cares about uh, than this Christian platform? Um, and so that was frustrating. But to add more insult to injury, his comments in years prior as it involved issues of injustice were edited out. To add more to that, artists that I know and love and care about have had performances where areas of injustice that were displayed in their performance was edited out. So as you can understand, it was all quite frustrating. And, um, and so, you know, it rose some concerns and, uh, Kirk and I've had some great offline conversations about this. And I, um, I was expecting something different. I was hoping to see more than this from uh, the GMA Dove Awards. Uh, but that being said, I support my brother Kirk. And um, until we can sit down and have a conversation about uh, these particular issues, um, I won't be able to participate either. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we talked mm. about this briefly last week, but it is interesting to hear mm. kind of Lecrae unpack it more and kind of demonstrate that this is a pattern at the Devil Wars, but yeah. at least at yeah. least the officials from GMA, you know, they seem to be interested in trying to figure out a way to kind of reconcile the situation. So we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. Have they said anything? I haven't seen it. Yeah. So the there was a statement. Yeah. They, they and it was apologetic. It, I mean, it, to a degree, they they kind of just said, "Well, we edited a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff for time." But they did say this is something they're interested okay. in correcting, mm-hmm. and they've been kind of contacting Kirk's uh, Franklin's team, um, but they haven't kind of outlined steps. But you know, hopefully, there's an opportunity for correction and redemption here it's just a difficult situation but i think it's it's cool to see someone like lecrae who you know i feel like actually probably monetarily has a lot to lose by disassociating himself with the double awards and gma you know take a stand so hopefully it leads to some real change yeah i i'm i'm happy i think anything that is you know anything that's kind of not to sound too christianese but brought to the light mm-hmm. always can work out for the better of everybody. And uh, I hope that this does for them for sure work out for the better for them, for everybody. Yeah. What would be interesting for me to see, because there are, in the statement released by the, the GMAs, there was sort of, like you said, Jesse, this implication that uh, we, we added a lot of things for time. 
just happened to be that this time the these comments about police brutality got edited out yeah. these two mm-hmm. times for Lecrae for for Kirk first and now for Lecrae to join in and say this is not this was not an accident but this is part of a uh, an ongoing sort of systemic issue then uh, I, I think that would be what I would like to hear them respond to that charge in yeah. particular. Because of course you you know we we edit stuff out all the time here, and a lot yeah. of it's we leave good stuff on the cutting room floor sometimes yeah. because we just don't because of obvious time constraints. But but I'm not <laughs> sure. But but if the system is uh, if it's true that there's a systemic issue or, or an ongoing issue here, then that's something I'd really like to hear the GMA's address. And yeah. I, I think that having Lecrae, arguably one of the top two or three uh, biggest Christian artists working right now, uh, boycott the doves, that, that will force a real conversation. And, yeah. and obviously it has. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said um, that, you know, Lecrae could have a lot to lose here. I also think that the GMA has a lot to lose here sure, too. No, by- for sure. Lecrae saying, sure. hey, I'm distancing myself. And so the pressure is on for them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come in at number one this week. A new version of A League of Their Own will tackle contemporary social issues. All right. Coming back to baseball. So according <laughs> to The Hollywood Reporter, The Good Place's Darcy Carden is currently in talks to star in a reboot alongside Broad City's Abby Jacobson, who is also writing and executive producing. The pilot is being developed by Amazon and is based on the 1992 hit comedy about an all-American girls professional baseball league. According to the report, the half-hour comedy series is a modern look at the league. And even though it is set in the 1940s, it will feature road trips across a rapidly changing United States. The series dives deep deeper into the issues facing the country while following a ragtag team of women figuring themselves out while fighting to realize their dreams of playing professional baseball. First of all, can I say I love this this movie, the original movie. Okay. All right. That's important to know. That, so we're talking to yeah. a real fan here. Yes. I love that movie so much. And so I have not heard this. So I'm super, I'm excited. Yeah. Except for, you know, it gets nervous sometimes when you're remaking something. Sure. You're like, can't we just let this be? Yeah. And that's true. But I don't, don't you feel like out of like all of the, of those like, okay, like, let it let it be you don't want to tarnish the memory of how great the original league of their own was but do you only feel like kind of bringing it back in tv show form instead of just doing like a new version of the movie uh-huh. like kind of leaves the original you know in its place and especially because they're kind of getting these kind of interesting young talents you know involved but also it seems to be sort of high-minded are does that make you more nervous or less nervous about it jamie well i I don't know because I as long as as long as it's good. I mean, I guess we can say that about anything. As long as you don't mess it up, we're going to be fans. But you mess it up, we're not fans anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. I just. All I know is I love the movie so much, and it's just this classic that everybody should have to watch. You guys have seen oh, it, yeah, right? Of course, yeah, Fantastic. I have seen it. Okay. Yeah, JD. It looked like you were shaking your head uh, while I was reading this new. It looked like my I, I, a visual slice here. It looked like you were shaking. But were you shaking your head in disappointment or or trepidation? Maybe. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. I think part of it is like I feel the same same way. Like that original film oh, is so great, untouchable. It's so good. Tom Hanks's performance is just like spot on. And then like Gina Davis and, and I mean, even Madonna's weird cameo role she has in there. It's like, it's mm-hmm. all like pitch perfect. And I just feel ah, pitch perfect. See, um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so, it's so perfect. It's such a great classic. Um, yeah. I'm not opposed though, to them retelling a deeper version of that historical moment when yeah. all of a sudden yeah. women stepped in and fulfilled what was traditionally a, a masculine sport in America. And even though it was first met with ridicule, how, um, how it actually really in some ways brought like healing to the country in more ways than one. And I think that that's a great story worth telling. And I think TV, like an episodic version of that could, could serve that well. Yeah. Part of it just feels like, agreed. Part of it feels like a, a very studio thing to name it a league of their own just to piggyback on the success of the film. Whereas like, just tell that story, but why, yeah. why tarnish, why ra- rope that name back into it? 
I agree. You could tell you could tell about the moment again without necessarily needing it to be a remake of the movie. Right. Yeah. 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 Because it's yeah, it's based on. But I do I do feel like in kind of the contemporary world of like IP of like intellectual property, it's important to kind of tie it back to a known entity. But also Abby Jacobson, I think, is brilliant. And I love Abby Jacobson. And, and, I love Broad City. And yeah. that's. The, the most interest, the most intriguing part of the whole thing right now to me is Jacobson's involvement because she's such a good talent. And, and from what I read, she went to the original creators of the movie and got their blessing before kind of acquiring the IP. They wanted to make sure it was cool with them. So it sounds like they're doing the right step. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm excited for it. And Jamie, you sound reasonably excited for it, too, right? I will be excited for it. Yes. I'm okay, curious. Cool. I wonder sure. if they would like. And maybe this is what they're doing. Probably not. I wonder if they like, it would probably, this is one of those silly things where like they don't have to do this at all, but it would help me out <laughs> if they just followed a different team. Like if they weren't following, <laughs> like what was it? The Rockford Peaches or something? Like if they weren't following them, if they were just a different one, then That's I can have... That's an oddly specific request for them. James. It is, but it's like it keeps, it preserves that movie. Like, okay, that's their story. Now let's follow, like, I don't know any of the other team names. Let's follow like one of the other teams and one of their other things. Because the second you start to put someone else in that like Gina Davis role, you're going to be like judging her against Gina Davis. Or like who else is going to play that um, that character, except for Tom Hanks. The second yeah, that they try well, to do the new version of There's No Crying in Baseball, everyone's going to be like, sorry, you're not Tom. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just going to yeah. be too, too tough. I trust them. I trust them. I'm here for it. I'm here <laughs> for it. I think we can all agree that the only person who could possibly fill those shoes at this point would be Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week's. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mark Batterson joins us. You're listening to Sad Day by FKA Twigs. Well, today's interview is brought to you by Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Not convinced? Check out the 9,000 five-star reviews from their customers. Their products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc, and are filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch, plus never tests on animals, and Native offers free shipping and returns, and it works. Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on product performance. The eucalyptus and mint kept us smelling fresh all day. That's why they've been featured on outlets including the Today Show, Elle Magazine, Pop Sugar, Refinery29, and others. Less is more with Native. Their formula contains simple ingredients you understand so you know everything that's in their deodorant. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda freeze formula for those with sensitivities. Classic deodorant scents include coconut and vanilla. It's the most popular scent. Lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. There's no risk to try because Native offers free returns and exchanges in the USA. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code RELEVANT during checkout. One more time, that's 20% off your first purchase, nativedeodorant.com, and use the promo code RELEVANT during checkout. Well, Mark Batterson, of course, is the pastor of Washington, D.C.'s National Community Church. And in his new book, Double Blessing, How to Get It, How to Give It, Mark looks at why the idea of generosity is so life-changing. We recently talked with Mark about the book, How to Bless People Around Us Every Day, and what it's like to live in service to others in a modern eye-for-an-eye culture. Jesse, you handled this conversation. How'd it go? Yeah, I was I was really excited to talk to him because I feel like the message of the book uh, was is not what I expected, not what you expect from a book called Double Blessing, because you would think like, oh, well, this is how to like, you know, receive more. But that's not really what he means by double blessing. What he means okay. essentially is like anything that we receive in life. 
should actually be used to bless others with. And we talked about how that's kind of a countercultural idea in an era, especially when you have <laughs> people in high positions of leadership talking about uh, quid pro quo <laughs> and eye for an eye. And I'm not talking about yeah. anyone in particular. I mean, who who could this be referencing? But I wanted to talk about, I wanted to ask Mark, because I mean, obviously church is in DC about, you know, why this idea seems so countercultural. And here's what he said. Well, I, I think it's uh, we, we live very much in a tit for tat, eye for an eye kind of culture. And so much of what Jesus taught was counterintuitive and countercultural. Um, you know, pray for those who persecute you, uh, love your enemies. I, I don't think we're very good at that uh, in our current cultural context. At the heart of that is this idea of leading with blessing. And What's fascinating to me is Jesus says, when you enter a home, give it your blessing. And if it's not deserving, the blessing will return to you. I think we do the exact opposite. We assess uh, whether uh, we do a quick assessment, try to discern whether someone is worthy of our blessing or not. Then and only then do we give it. But but that is not the way that that uh, Jesus modeled. I, I think this idea of leading with blessing, uh, it, it's a game changer. And I would even say this, that as a pastor of a church in the nation's capital, we're not just trying to build a church, we're trying to bless a city. And when you lead with blessing, uh, I, I think it's, it, it is the game changer. People are now open to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, Man, I, I like that. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. It's like, oh, wait, we should live a lifestyle and just give people the benefit of the doubt and, and be gracious and kind to people and bless people no matter what, no matter if we get anything in return or not. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it definitely is like an interesting idea. But he also, you know, he throughout the interview, he talked about how blessing, obviously, there's like monetary um, implications. Like we should be generous. We should mm -hmm. tithe. We should support mm -hmm. people financially when we can. We should live our lifestyle in a way where we have margin to give. But he also said it's not just about money. There's lots of ways that we can be generous in our day-to-day -day life. Uh, and and here, here's, here's how uh, Mark described that. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, it's important to think in terms of time, talent, and treasure. And so when we think generosity, we tend to think money, but uh, that, that's a thin slice of the pie. In fact, uh, the hardest thing for me to be generous with is my time. And so uh, there are so many ways to lead with blessing. And why don't we start with a simple smile? I mean, it's crazy, but a smile is a way of blessing someone else. I think in, in our culture, undivided attention, especially when we are so distracted by social media, um, really listening to someone, not to formulate an answer, but to really understand the way that they think. Those are simple ways that we can lead with blessing. And I, I think it starts with a mindset that how can I add value to every single person that I meet, whether it's a kind word uh, or um, just going out of my way to, um, to somehow bless them in, in a practical way. And, uh, you know, I'll occasionally uh, leave a tip that's a little bit larger than normal or I'll pay for the person behind me. Those aren't big things, but those, those little things make a big difference. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea so much of just looking for opportunities to be like a good person. The, the other thing of what I feel like he said that's interesting there, it reminded me of the conversation we had with Malcolm Gladwell in the most recent cover story. I think we played the clips on the pod um, mm -hmm. yeah. where he was talking about how first and foremost, Jesus in his interactions with people was a fantastic listener. Like everyone he ran across felt listened to. Like he wasn't out there. Yes. Jesus was a teacher and, and a preacher, but he was also a great listener. And I love that idea of like one way that you can like bless others, one way that you can demonstrate to others that you care about them, like God cares about them. It's just taking time to listen. It's to give them undivided mm -hmm. attention mm -hmm. without, you know, yeah, yeah. hey, I got to run to be at this place, but hey, you doing okay? All right, good to see you. you know, like, no, how are you? It's like, you know, I, there was an interview a few weeks ago with uh, Meghan Merkel, who's the Duchess of Sussex. Is that her official title? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, the interviewer kind of casually just said, well, how are you? 
And you could see like tears almost well up in her eyes and say, you know, no one ever asked me how I am. How am I doing? And I think what Mark Batterson is saying kind of in this book and in the, in the interview is like, man, you have no idea how what that kind of degree of attention can have on somebody. Um, and we kind of transition to talk about, well, you know, he writes in the book about a lot about quote unquote, like life giving words, not just encouragement, but what it actually mm-hmm, means mm-hmm. to kind of speak life into someone in, in this context. And when you're trying to bless them and here, here's, here's what his recommendations were to like making this a part of your lifestyle. This goes way beyond just, even the idea of niceness. Now, listen, um, niceness would be a good starting point for a lot of people. But I I think to me, this is the idea that um, we we are part of a uh, royal priesthood. Um, If I'm reading first Peter chapter two, right, uh, we are all priests. And and what that means is um, there's this wonderful priestly blessing. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. I bet there are a lot of people that those words uh, ring a bell because they're often pronounced at the end of a church service. They're they're this ancient priestly blessing. And, And most of us are on the receiving end of some pastor or priest pronouncing that blessing. I would suggest that no matter what you do, whether you're a lawyer or a teacher or an Uber driver, no, you are a lawyer priest. You are a teacher priest. You are an Uber priest. Your job is to bring blessing uh, to people's lives. And I think that's often speaking Spirit-inspired words. In other words, let's ask God for discernment and speak things into people's lives that actually are life-giving. Yeah, that's such a, I feel like, important concept. And, you know, I asked him personally how incorporating this attitude and these behaviors has affected his personal life and what effects it can have. And here's here's what uh, Mark Batterson said. Up front, I probably should say that uh, God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living, blesses us to raise our standard of giving. And, you know, what I've found is that joy is found on the giving side of life. And so the secret to the double blessing, uh, it's a little counterintuitive, but the way you get it is by giving it. And so we are literally blessed to bless. And I think it starts with being really good at gratitude and uh, this idea of taking inventory of how we've been blessed. If we don't count our blessings, we discount our blessings. And so it starts there. But then uh, my wife and I live by this little idea of flip the blessing. And so we, we take good notes on when and how and where we've been blessed. And then we try to flip that blessing for other people. And, and that really is where uh, the greatest joy is found. You know, Jesus said it this way. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we, we've certainly found that to be true. Yeah, that is, uh, I think just such a good reminder. I think it's kind of <clears throat> something we've all been taught, but it's like, man, it really is important. Like this is what it's all about. It's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those things where you can, no matter how many times you hear it, you, you can't hear it enough because we don't do it. You, you know, it's, it's uh this feels like basic stuff, but there's a reason that people put these little reminders around them or, or that we try to encourage people to go back to, to uh, reread these lessons, whether it's from the the Bible or hear about them in, in sermons from, from teachers or that our parents had to tell us, you know, you've, you've, you've got to do this and it's not our natural inclination. So words like this really help a lot. Yeah. Well, everyone should check out his book. It's called double blessing and it just came out. And uh, I appreciate Mark Patterson joining us. Thanks a lot, Mark. Next up, ask the cast. You're listening to Apale by Rosalia. 
Okay, it's time for, uh, I love this segment, it's time for Ask the Cast. Uh, this is where we ask you over Twitter to come at us with some questions that you have for the cast, and we come back with our answers. Here are a few of the most interesting questions that we pulled out of the lineup this week. First up, from Spencer. <laughs> what can I do to find friends as a new student at a giant college with a ton of people? Oh, it's a tough one. I, what do you guys think? I, oh, I think... Spencer. Uh, yeah, I, uh, my first piece of advice would be to find the squarest person there and uh, ask them to mentor you in writing sermons. It seems to have worked out pretty well for two people who try this for. One's a famous actor, one is the vice president of the United States. So, Spencer, I would get sermon writing. What do you? What? What? Are, what is your guys' advice for for Spencer? First of all, Spencer, I, you guys, I could just close my eyes. I remember going back to college my freshman year where my parents left my dorm and I did not know a single soul and oh, I yeah. could start crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sad it's and tough. scary. So it's Spencer, tough. I understand. I'm like the empathetic one over here. I, I guess my advice, I don't know, join a club. <laughs> what do you do to- <laughs> tennis club. Get out there. I hope your elbow's okay, but I would get on that tennis club. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. You know, this is it is scary. I remember I remember that same experience, Jamie, not uh-huh. knowing anyone and just like going to my door and be like, oh, okay, the worst. this is this is this is what's happening now. Yeah, I would say just be I mean, Spencer, here's the other the other thing too and and i'm sure you guys can all relate to this there's terror and like also freedom for it be like uh-huh. i can literally be anyone i want right now and nobody <laughs> yes. knows nobody knows no you one can, grew up you with can clear me. out yourself entirely it just exactly. be, you could be anybody I could, I could start speaking with a british accent here and no one's gonna <laughs> question me like all of a sudden i'm the interesting english guy even though i've never even been in right. like, spencer oh th- this is the time to create Create your own, whatever, whoever you ever wanted to be. Now is the time, friend. Make that dream a reality. You can be whoever and no one's going to question anything. That's my that's advice. Ex- that's exactly right. I can, okay, but here comes the mom. I'm going to be the mom because okay, yeah, I'm old enough yeah, to be good. Spencer's mom, I would imagine. Okay. Spencer, make sure you find good friends, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spencer, go you with know the bad, bad kids. You know They're way friend. more fun. The bad kids are more fun. <laughs> You'll have more fun. You'll have more fun, Spencer. <laughs> if you're going to go on the spectrum between Mike Pence and Woody Harrelson, go closer to Woody. If I were you, Spencer, I have more plenty memorable. of time to be friends with Mike Pence is down the road. Right now, you want to be friends with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I got news for you, Spencer. Adult life is full of boring Mike Pences. College is a time to hang that out with those true. Woody Harrelson characters. <laughs> Uh, all right. So Paul, Paul says, I'm from Canada, so I can't possibly know this. So tell me how to properly pronounce this word. Is it program or program? What? I don't know, I don't know, know what he's talking Canada, about. How do, do they not have programs? In, 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 where, where in the world, Paul, are they saying program? <laughs> what, what, program, program sounds like, See, watching like, like, program, like program's progress. Like, like it's who settled America. I could yeah, see it like on, program. on the BBC. They're saying on the next program, like they just say oh, it's yeah. accent, something like that. But I British accent. When I, when I was in college for those four years, I spoke with the British accent. I did say, <laughs> I did say do, you have the, do you have the latest program? <laughs> when your name was it went by Archibald Leeds to everybody. <laughs> Esquire. For some reason, I acted like I had a laundry too. Yeah, Esquire. Leeds, Tor- Esquire. Yeah. Time to get with the program, mates. <laughs> <laughs> it's program. I was very, popular. Program in the US. I was very it's popular, popular in the Mike Pence circles in college. <laughs> if you know what I mean. They're very impressed with the British accent. That crowd. Uh, here's a, here's a, here's a here's a terrible idea. Alex says, "My mom keeps calling me with iPhone tech questions. Can I direct those calls to you?" <laughs> yes, but but. I don't want to tell your mom this, but the advice we give her is going to be disastrous. <laughs> intentionally, intentionally, yeah. we are going to make her wish that she was still talking to you. Her number one son. Oh, that, that absolutely. Parent tech questions are literally the absolute it's interesting. worst. Because yes, for it's some reason, it's any person over a oh certain age when they're asking someone younger than them a tech question. <laughs> for some reason, their frustration with the technology is directed at you. Right. It's like, I don't know, <laughs> Uncle Ted. I did not design the interface of your cable box. So the hostility that I'm fearing, feeling that you don't know how to watch that DVR show 
shouldn't be directed at me here. I'm trying to help. Don't kill the messenger. Is that your guys' experience too? Oh like oh, the frustration dude. is directed it's at the helper. Dad. My my yeah. Yes, but I'm in the middle, you guys, because I'm helping my parents with stuff, but then I'm asking my kids to help me with stuff. Sure. And so you know, sure. I'm like, 15 year old, get over here. How do I find this on my phone? And they're like, okay, mom, let me show you. So I'm living both lives. Sometimes here. when yeah, I buy like new, like a new thing, uh, I will give my parents like the last version of it so they can have it. And I did that with, um, with my like surround sound system in my house. And so I gave them uh, the old one and my dad was all excited about it. And he calls me up last week and he's, he's calling me up all frustrated. And he's like, I, I can't get your, your stupid machine to work. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, like what, what, what's wrong dad? He's and he's like, dad, the one I gave you for free, which I did not invent or create. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, well, every time I try to watch a, a DVD on it, like it comes up and it plays, but the little symbol on the bottom says, says Xbox on it. Do you want really? to explain to you want to explain that to me? And it's like, <laughs> no, why are you yelling? Like, I will yeah. say that there's now it's kind of we're getting to what's happening reverse for me now because I'm going over and this is going to happen. I'm going over to my in-laws uh, for Thanksgiving here in a couple yeah. of weeks. And now I feel like we're getting to the point where a lot of like boomers have their own. They figured out their system. Yes. So like, oh, yeah, if man, I'm going to want to watch a movie, like, so I'll, I like, like, like watch a movie minutes. or something. And they've got like the five remote controls set up and the 15 different <laughs> receivers for it. And I'm like, I don't know how to begin. This might as well be an abacus. Like, yeah. what, what are even are these things? Yeah. And my father-in-law come down like, oh, I'll tell you what you gotta do. You gotta press. And it's some sort of like like Mark Zuckerberg level algorithm of all the yeah. different buttons you have to push to or get it onto the right remotes. Yeah. yeah. All right, now or go down to the fuse box. Now flick it twice. <laughs> Did you click it three times? You click it three times. The other old person tech move, if it's a touch screen, it's like, well, if it's not working, obviously if I tap it harder and faster... Yeah. Work. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tapping. You can see I'm tapping yeah. as hard as I can here, as fast as I can. I will you say the opposite, the opposite thing happens though too, because like there's that weird thing where like the pendulum swings to the other side, and I'll go over to my in-laws' house, and he's got his Google Homes program to do like literally everything in the house, and then he doesn't understand oh, why wow. I still use like my hands for things. Like I'll turn the light, and I was like, "What? What'd you do that? Just, just tell, just tell Google." Google, turn on the lights. Now the lights are all screwed up because you used the switch. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was not allowed to use the switch. Like, what? You didn't flush that toilet with your hands, did you? Just tell Google. Like, Google, flush my toilet. I, w- I was at an office the other day, and I, I won't reveal the, I don't want to give too much away, but it made me question the competence of this particular place because the person I was sitting there, like, hold on, I have it in my email. Let me pull it up here. And they went to like Yahoo and oh, searched no. for their Yahoo. email. Oh, no. And then, they, you know, like the web browser brought up Gmail. It's like, okay, here it is. And I'm like, okay, this is cause for concern here. Like, I feel like we should be beyond just socially, you know, using a search engine to find your email. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of gaps here. So, Alex, for your mom's iPhone tech questions, I would act like every time she calls you, presumably on the iPhone, say, Mom, I can't hear you. Something's wrong with your phone. Mom, I can't hear you. That won't get her frustrated at all. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. She'll blame the That'll phone. That'll work great. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that's going to do it for us, everybody. Many thanks to Mark Batterson for joining us today. Double Blessing is out now. Also, I want to say thank you to Native. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com. Use the promo code RELEVANT during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, promo code RELEVANT. Uh, also, make sure if you're listening to this podcast, you want to check out Relevant Daily too. Relevant Daily is a uh, our daily Monday through Friday. We'll look back at the biggest stories at the intersection of faith and culture of the day. You also want to check out Called our podcast for church leaders featuring great conversations with some really interesting people who are helping take the church into the future. Uh, you guys just had a conversation with, uh, with NT Wright, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It's a really good one worth checking out. It's a, it's a exciting podcast. I love that Relevant's been able to help bring that one together a little bit. And with that, I think it'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm John David Harris. I'm Clark Flippo. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I- for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes 
Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. But sometimes she don't Spencer, go with the bad kids. They're way more fun. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.